Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. My name's Ed Mann, and today we're joined yet, yet, yet again by Joe Watkins. How are you doing, Joe? Hi, Ed. Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's almost like you've had to do that three times. Yeah. <laughs> no one would guess, you know, with the power of like the, you know, recording equipment now, you know, that I can actually somehow screw it up a couple of times. Uh, yeah, we, we, for the audience, and I, again, I'll apologize on air again to say what happened. So we tried to record it yesterday, um, thought it went well. Great episode, I thought, and everything. Uh, but you did mention actually at the beginning saying, oh, your audio does sound a little bit weird. Uh, and we, we all thought, oh, maybe it's just your headphones and stuff. But it turned out it wasn't your headphones. Uh, it was indeed my audio. Yours came out brilliant uh, and it was all mine and I sounded like a robot. Uh, so this time uh, we're trying again, and this time I've I've even done I've prepared audience. I've been actually prepared. So we did a recording beforehand just to make sure a little sample recording that everything was going okay. So uh, fingers crossed this one comes out okay, and we can actually release this before Christmas, uh, <laughs> before next Christmas that is. Uh, but we shall see. Anyway, Jay, how you doing though, man? You're right. I'm good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I mean, I haven't had you. We haven't had you on for a couple of weeks now, maybe a month or so actually. And I just thought it'd be cool to like catch up and everything. And I, I, obviously, seven one's been released. I should congratulate you there. That's awesome news. Yes, that's good. Yes. Yeah. How's how was the final stages of that? Was there any kind of major? major pains or was it just a kind of a nice seamless release no it was it was all right actually no no um no reports of any server farm fires or anything like that so <laughs> that's always a good sign yeah and, and so what was kind of like the the next bit in the next chapter in the story with that then are you are you staying on seven one is seven two kind of anything happening there okay so um uh 7.2 doesn't have a release manager yet um i don't know when it'll be picked uh so I'll be just managing 7.1 for the next sort of, well, for as long as it's um, supported, probably about three years. So. Oh, that's cool. So, so what kind of things will you be doing then? Just like the dot releases for 7.1, like minor bug fixes and things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, I, I, I know uh, it's almost like we spoke about this yesterday, uh, but yesterday <laughs> you mentioned that you kind of try and work December. So the next 7.2 needs something, at least some features that, you know, that warrant a bump like that. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, you know, like what would be included then in the seven one dot releases? Would it just be fixes for things you've currently got or would some features kind of slip in there? Features aren't really meant to go in um, dot releases. So probably there won't be any major features um, going into 7.1. It will just be bug fixes. And But I mean, there's no um, some internal feature might get in. But I mean, user facing features should really go in the next release. Um, but I mean... That Semver says if you can add it in a backwards compatible way. Um, well, we don't actually strictly follow Semver. We roughly do. But, I mean, our, our release process says if you can add it in a backward compatible way, you can do it. But then we like to we like to actually have a reason to do another release. So we'll probably just collect up whatever features are suggested and then that will be 7.2. That's cool. Because I know it's one thing actually that's been uh, merged in currently. Well, it's into the, going into the next one in master. I don't know whether it's actually been implemented yet, but it's the debugging PDO prepared statements, uh, the emulation stuff. So it's to do with like being able to like display actual arguments yeah, that as is opposed in, to just the query. That is in master, but um, 
Okay, so the, f- the first RFC that was done for that, the guy wasn't happy with the implementation, so he's brought out another RFC, but I actually was not here for the, uh, for the I don't know if that's actually gone ahead or not. It's when PDO does emulated prepares, I think it shows you the actually executed query. Um, yeah, that, that seems really useful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that's just one of those nice changes. So, I mean, something, I mean, actually, that's quite a good example. So, so something like that, would that go in, could that go into a 7.1 dot release or would that be saved up for 7.2? Uh, um, well, I mean, technically it could go into 7.1 release, but I don't think it's going to because, um, I mean, the guy wasn't even happy with it and it's only just got into master. So we like for things to be kind of mature before we release them. So if it sits in master now, it's going to be there for another, like, six months maybe a year um before it is actually only released version and that gives people time to, to spot problems with it and things like that before it actually goes out to a generally available release so that's cool that makes sense yeah and actually saying that so you said that you were away for a while but you know so you, you went off to serbia yeah i just yeah i went to serbia to meet work friends and nice yeah and then drink some really, really strong alcohol oh God. that came with water oh and God. i think that the... <laughs> yeah if if alcohol's ever served with water, don't don't drink it. Uh because <laughs> I mean, tell sign yeah, of a strong alcoholic beverage. Uh, I didn't even question, oh, why has it got water with it? But um yeah, I should have done. Um yeah, I took one sip of it and it knocked me sideways and I was sick everywhere. And, oh man, no. Was that after was that uh, like while you were doing the drinking session then kind of thing? Like uh, or no, was that it was at lunchtime one day. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so you were feeling rough all the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Quite a lot of your work people then from Serbia, or was it kind of just one place to kind of all congregate? Oh, well, um, yeah, no, there's quite a big uh, presence in Serbia, and then there's an office in, like, the United States as well. Um, So, yeah, and Poland, I think I've got one. Um, So, yeah, I just went to meet... um, my uh the one the ones in serbia Uh, they did have a christmas party and i just missed it because oh no yeah um they had a massive christmas party there was like 500 people there or something oh they like wow they rented like the top floor of uh a a big hotel or some other building um jeez oh that was bad timing (laughs) yeah yeah I, i did just miss it by a few days so it was good. Oh, well, at least you got to experience it, though. Yeah. I've never been to Serbia. Is it a nice place? Oh, it's did you get to, to do much touristy stuff, or was it mainly just kind of? I did. A, I did a little bit of touristy stuff, like walking around Belgrade, um, taking pictures and that. Um, but I'm not very good at being on my own. Uh, I have got no sense of direction in that. So um, <laughs> get lost easily. Yeah, very, very easily. I can get lost in a building. Um, so. I, I, I tried to keep that to a minimum so that I didn't get lost. Uh, but yeah, it was good. I, um, the Serbia's everyone's very friendly and it's a very pretty place. Um, even in, even in the in the winter, which is very cold at the moment, but it's still. I can imagine it must have been very cold. Yeah, but it's still very beautiful. Cool. And like, so moving back onto like the tech side of things, like again, going for your GitHub, you know, checking out what you've been up to. And, and, and one, I uh, just, one thing we spoke about last episode actually was the LibUI wrapper you've been working on. Yeah. I'm just wondering like kind of what, what any updates on that have you been able to do? I noticed you did a blog post actually explaining like uh, making snake and things like that, looks, which looked really cool. Yeah. Um, no, no, I don't think I've, I don't think there's been much update since we last spoke about it. It's, um, pretty much in the same condition I, I, I mean i've got to wait for upstream to do to do work before i can sort of integrate it so 
uh, I'm just still 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 tracking upstream. And so, so what's that kind of process for you then? Is it kind? Of, did you speak to the actual? Because is it one developer, or yeah. is it a couple of developers that do it is actually, UI? It is actually one one developer. one guy. Yeah, man, that's pretty amazing. So he's yeah. the one guy who's just made this, and he essentially a native experience for both Linux, Windows, and Mac. Yeah. So um, yeah. with a nice appy that you actually like. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's. Um, I mean, you can use GTK anywhere, but it looks like GTK, and and the appy is enormous, and it takes it's a big learning curve to actually do anything useful i mean obviously yeah it's because and you that's the trouble isn't it? you know gtk and you know like the java swings and it, they all look very much like yep yeah, i can spot that from a mile away yeah um and and um obviously they're much they're much fuller they're much they're much more feature complete appies but uh they're complicated and and i don't like complicated so um yeah i thought i'd LibUI's got a very simple appy and it's the same everywhere but looks native so yeah it's very very appealing um thing uh to to base a, an extension on so yeah um i basically yeah I'm, I'm in contact with the guy who writes it um but obviously it's not his like, job to write it so it's kind of a project for him so it doesn't get worked on at a thousand miles an hour um, um but yeah he, he's got good progress and good um it, it, it's going well yeah so, so how does he actually have to develop it then? Like, does he have to use Objective C then for yeah. the Mac side? And yeah. Then... So that's that's like the main reason why I couldn't I couldn't write anything like that myself because I don't know anything about Macs at all. I've I've only sat on one for like a matter of hours in my career. So um, yeah, he has to write basically the Objective C for Mac and C plus plus or C for Windows and um, GTK. Um, now that must be a massive project then to, yeah, to undertake. Yeah, it, re- it really is. I'm trying to make everything, um, especially when it comes to like layouts and things, trying to make everything sort of um, look similar is not easy uh, at all. So yeah, it's a huge undertaking. But he, he, he's actually, most of the really hard stuff is already done now. It's just a matter of developing it to, to make it feature complete. But all of the hard, like all of the stuff, that makes it uniform is already done. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I expect it will move forward at a pretty good pace and we'll, we'll track it in PHP. That's cool. And like, I mean, stuffing like the LibUI stuff that you're the rapper you're working on, I mean, would that ever kind of go into master or would oh, that be something that's always going to be an extension that oh, you no, need it if you need it? I don't, I don't, there's nothing really to gain from putting mm-hmm. code, from putting code in PHP source. Um, it, it basically it's a place where code goes to die. I mean, it's difficult to work on stuff once it's in PHP because you have you to have to whole different ball game, isn't it? You have to think in a yeah, totally different way. You have to have the same release schedule as PHP. You can't just push out fixes on whatever day you want. So um, no, I don't think there's anything to gain if, if it can stand on its own as an extension. Then it should really. Um, to, so yeah, I, I haven't got any plans to try and get that merged at all. No, that makes complete sense. And and another thing, another actual rapper, you've been, you've been rapper crazy at the moment, yeah. uh, is an Uber key one I've noticed on your GitHub. Do you, do you mind explaining like kind of the backstory behind that? Oh, yeah. Well, okay, so I was hacked. Um, uh, basically, I'm, I'm a terrible person and I've got a very, <laughs> very bad memory. You're like I, everyone else and yeah. uses the same password I, for multiple I, things. Yeah, that, that's what I did. Use the same password for everything. And then some old forum I went on got hacked. And so they got my password. And then from some other place, I got my email address. And 
So um, I, when I noticed this was going on, um, I decided I would have to do something about it, but it's just impractical to sort of choose a different password for everything. And, um, I just can't do that. So um, I started looking for some kind of some kind of like hardware solution. And yeah, there's these YubiKeys and they do, um, they're, they're primarily for second factor um, authentication. So like you can use them to, um, as a second factor to log into GitHub or um, uh, Google and things like that. But they can also do a static password, which is what was really appealing for me, to be honest, because then I don't have to remember my password. Um, I know it's not as secure as a second factor, but I mean, you'd have to kill me to get the device out of my hand. So um, <laughs> it's pretty secure. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, at least then you don't have to use the same. And it's, I mean, it, so it's the same password then that you're using for each, for everything still, but yeah, it's a very strong it's password. It's a very, very strong password. Yeah. Um, and, and if, and if I come across a website where it won't support, it won't support the length of my password or whatever, I just won't use that website. It's, uh, it's as simple as that, really. I, I don't need to sign up on every website I come across. Um, mm. So, yeah, um, I mean, I'm using the second factor for places that support it, but um, other places don't. So uh, you, you, you've kind of got, got to use a static password for that if you want if you want to make use of it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, and then, and then um, I also noticed that my home network was hacked as well. Um, no, that was bad timing. Very I know, bad timing, eh? I know. This all happened within like a few days. Oh, um, dear. And then when my home network was hacked, that was when I actually did actually buy the buy the things and just, um, um, yeah, that was when I decided I would actually buy them. Um, yeah, I, I bought these. Um, I've got these um, plug things. You plug them into the wall and it sends the Ethernet around the electrical circuit in your house. Mm. Um, I don't know what the technical word for them is. Uh, I think I, I just call them network plugs, but yeah. again, I don't know if they're, that's the technical term either. Yeah, um, but they're really cool, and um, I hate wireless uh, Wi-Fi. It's terrible. It's you know, interference and drops out all the time, um, so I have to have cables, um, and the router's at one end of the house, and my computer, my office is at the other. So, uh, yeah, um, and I bought one. I bought a new one that had a Wi-Fi extender built in but i didn't really pay any attention to it because i don't care about that uh but then someone obviously hacked it and set up their own wi-fi network on my network so um not cool no that was not cool and quite scary so that was when i decided i would start taking security of my network and my you know my services a bit more seriously uh so yeah that's what i'm doing no, I think, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things because until you've actually been exploited or you feel the pain, like you say, someone on a podcast has told you they've been hacked or, yeah. you know, all these things, you don't really, you kind of live in a world where you're like, yeah, no, it happens to other people, but not me. Yeah. Um, but it can happen to you. And I mean, that's why I use something like LastPass. I think I mentioned it yesterday, actually, to you, which yeah. is like, you know, ability to be able to store encrypted. So it's encrypted from your device like from they don't store anything obviously unencrypted they store the encrypted version you decrypt it you do your stuff with it then they store it you know on their servers and then LastPass allows you then also to have two-factor authentication one-time passwords using the uber key so you have your master password have that Uh, and then like another thing with LastPass which is great is like the automatic uh, password generation and also updating so you know you will say like oh you know I want to update my Gmail account password it's been a couple of months okay you just click it it will then automate the process of doing that for you Uh, it's it's so easy I feel like we can only solve half the problem as as consumers or clients because the other half of the problem is that people that run services that don't 
don't store passwords securely like they well i mean this, yeah let's let's talk about this yeah. like this forum then you know i mean like the only way they must have been able to get your password is, is it, either it's a weak salt weak salt weak hash or it was yeah it was exactly as plain text and yeah, probably it honest, was plain text it, to be honest i think it was plain text some old version of vbulletin um i don't know that much about vbulletin but i remember it from like 10 years ago and it's pretty shit um, but that's the problem, though, isn't it? It's the, it's the pretty crappy ones, you know, yeah. 10 years ago that are still being used. And, yeah. and that's kind of scary, though, that people, yeah, I mean, plain text, what nothing should be stored in plain text. No, no it's, password. It's like when you sign up to a website and it says someone else has used this password. How <laughs> like, does that make sense? Or, that's scary. Or you're, or you're changing your password and it says you've used that password before. And you think, well, how do you know that? How do you I mean, know? I mean, it's possible that they're just calculating the hash again, but still, they shouldn't be telling you that. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be storing your 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 information like that. But mm. so we can only solve half the problem by getting these devices and using things like LastPass and things like that and other password management things. But I think the other half of the problem is probably more than half actually is uh, the the server side and, and the provider side of it. Um, so yeah, um, that's that's what we've got. We've got. To, try and fix as a, as a as a community we've got to say you know this actually puts makes people vulnerable i mean at the moment we're just talking about you know someone might have got into my github or my email or whatever but it wouldn't take very much having access to my email address it wouldn't take very much to actually steal my identity and do me real damage you know hurt my credit or or do something you know do real damage in real life mm. so it is a serious uh, problem um, that we should all take a bit more seriously, um, yeah. So yeah, I got the YubiKeys, and then um, I I wrote the wrappers for um, the libraries that the Yubico put put out um, a host and a server library. So the server library is what you use if you're writing like a server side application. That's what that's how you do the authentication and things. And the host library is actually um, for the, interacting with the hardware on the host computer. Um, so yeah, that's that's what they are. That's really cool. Have you got any like any ideas that you want to do with YubiKey stuff, I, or you just wanted to look into the APIs? I, I just wanted it to be possible to have ideas without um, without uh, writing C or or, or 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 that. So I haven't got any solid ideas yet, but um, I hope to have some. So yeah. Now that'd be really cool because then I mean obviously that in that case then people can I know I know you mentioned yesterday actually that there was like some PHP only specific implementations yeah but yeah because um, it's, it's a it's a JSON based protocol um, so uh, they've got um, they do a PHP only implementation but obviously it's going to be slower and a bit crap so the C one's going to be a bit faster and. Uh, I mean if you can write the C one then you know might as well yeah. write the C one absolutely no no point in having a. The extra layer and and so so another thing actually that you've been working on well another thing in your GitHub that I noticed was uh, some Raspberry Pi stuff, yeah. um, and I, I have an old Raspberry Pi tucked away in the drawer, uh, yeah, <laughs> which um, I think a lot of people do at the moment. Uh, well, what are you doing with those? Okay, so I think people buy them and they've got every intention to do something cool with them, and then they download one of the operating systems that's supposed to be good for them. And they discover that actually they can't really do anything other than run the operating system easily because they're Plus only, they're only yep. very restricted hardware and the operating system is not. I mean, it is. It's got like LXDE. It's got like the lightest possible setup, but it's still heavy. It's just a desktop that's compiled for ARM. So it's not really... Um, once you're running the desktop, you're using such such a lot of the resources that the thing has to offer. It's difficult to imagine what else you could do. 
um, within within reason. So the idea was um, uh, Windows are doing like a, an Internet of Things um, uh, operating system where you can only run one application at a time. And uh, so it hasn't got like all the junk that normal Windows has got. It ha- it's got all the, um, you know, the services and that that make the operating mm. system work, but it doesn't have all the user interface stuff and, and things like that. So you boot it up and it just brings up your one application full screen and you do like your point of sale or robot application or whatever. Um, so it's basically, um, that's the idea to, to do like an Internet of Things um, image. It's, it's only 80 megabytes um it boots up to a graphical desktop um, that uses pretty pretty new um, software that's out there in the wild, such as Wayland and um, Western. Wayland is a um, uh, it's X server without X. Basically, it's a new a new new project because X servers become unmanageable, unmaintainable, um, according to the people that write Wayland. I mean, I don't know much about it, but um, they say that, and and it is not just. Um, it's a problem from their perspective, but it's also a problem from our perspective where it, it, it really X is developed to work on desktop hardware and it doesn't have desktop hardware. It's got a very good GPU and a pretty good CPU, but it's only got a tiny amount of RAM That's and it. limited power. Yeah. Uh, and Western is the reference compositor for Wayland. So I put them together to make a sort of operating system where you can, um, the idea is you can, at the moment it doesn't do the, booting up to one application, but you can configure it to do that very easily. Um, So yeah, it's got, um, that's, that's the idea of it. It's like an internet of things image for Raspberry Pi. No, that sounds really cool, man. I I mean, I'm exactly in that boat where, you know, you you play around with it and you're right that people just compile it to arm and it's not the same. You need to have a tailored operating system. Yeah, I think you do. Um, And it's recognised as well by the the Pi Foundation. They've actually got um, they're they're working on uh, or they were working on something called Maynard, which is like a new desktop which is built on top of Western, Um, and and it and it's actually purposefully designed to to be executed on embedded hardware. So um, it's very promising. But I think um, I'm not sure why you would buy a Pi and then use it as a desktop computer so it's a bit confusing but it's uh, good research and good um, it's good good progress for the for the platform but they've actually sponsored the development of that so that's kind of an admission that yeah, it's know, like something needs to be done yeah that Raspbian is not really the, the ideal solution really or, or any of the other you know any genome based desktop mm-hmm. is going to be roughly about the same so yeah the, the idea was to avoid X server and avoid a fully blown genome desktop and that's that's what it does and so how did you actually develop it then what was your like the REPL loop did you use a real Raspberry pi or did you have a virtual box oh, no, kind of set up oh no you can't have virtual because you can't have virtual because it's arm you uh to run a virtual arm you need an arm architecture you, you, um, ah right okay yeah um so yeah i've got a, i've got a bunch of pies um I, I i i tend to buy one whenever they're on offer for some reason i i, I didn't <laughs> Uh, I had like a I had a box of them before I started. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, because I just I, I like them and yeah. Um, basically, you have to compile it from scratch, uh, which takes a very long time and it takes a, quite a lot of knowledge about um, cross compiling and the different packages you want to use and version compatibility and things like that. And most people just don't have that knowledge. You don't have the time or interest in learning. Um, so the idea is that. With the 
um, Eliphas, it's called. Um, the idea is that you won't actually have to compile stuff because I'm gonna. I've got it, already the UI library is included, so you could write your um, very basic UIs in that. But I'm gonna continue on with um, um, an OpenGL extension, but I'm not sure how it's gonna look at the moment because it's not clear who is gonna be the provider for that. Uh, it could it could be LibUI or it could be um, some, some other library. So I'm not sure how that's going to work yet, but that's what's going to happen moving forwards. Um, it might seem a bit unreasonable to talk about 3D graphics in PHP, but it's just not because uh, pretty soon we're going to have a JIT and there's not going to be a remarkable difference between me writing code in C and me writing code in PHP. So that's the idea that you won't have to know about cross compilers and things like that. You can just you can write scripts um, like you can in Python. I mean, they, they've got all that stuff in, in Python mm -hmm. already, um, but it hasn't got Python on it because I'm me. <laughs> oh that, that sounds really interesting and actually so you brought up the JIT conversation there so you know you said it you know it's, it's going to take it, it's not out of the round that we're going to get a JIT soon like is there any ETA on that I mean is it still a lot to be done in that in that regard no I mean no, it works it exists and it works um it's part it's, it's going to be like a modified opcache um it's put as well I'm not modified it's a feature of opcache basically uh it works. Um, it's just a case of now in real life apps, there's not really a remarkable difference uh, because of the kind of code we write in real life. app. I mean, if you run WordPress or whatever, you might not get that much of a difference, but when, when it comes to, when it comes to um, graphics applications, that have to do very complex CPU intensive stuff. It is going to make a huge difference in synthetic benchmarks. It's already making a big difference. So, it's now just a case of trying to week out what we can from real life, what we call real life apps today. And then um, I imagine it will probably be part of 7.2, probably. probably wow. It will probably be the thing that we call you know, 7.2. Yeah, because that seems like quite a big feature yeah, yeah. to be able to push out there. And who, who's been working on that then? Uh, Dimitri at Zend works on that. And, uh, you know, he gets input from Nikita and Bob and, and, and other people on internals, but mostly it's his, his, his baby. So Brilliant. Uh, yeah, oh, exciting times ahead then. Yeah, yeah, very. Especially, and especially pairing that with your LibUI stuff, you say OpenGL. I mean, that's great timing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's good timing. It's almost I mean, like you knew it was going to happen. <laughs> well, it is a bit like that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, already you can do, like I've done a blog post that showed like a, um, there's a very popular JavaScript demo, HTML5 demo, like Starfields, and I've done that, mm. and then I've done like a Snake game as well. And and even today, you know, without a JIT, they work fine. And, and they on, on a decent on a decent desktop, you'll get your sixty frames per second, which is what JavaScript game developers typically aim aim for. Obviously, real games um, like OpenGL, um, some of the examples for that, even on a Raspberry Pi, will run at a thousand frames a second. Wow! So yeah, because they use the GPU directly, and and um, yeah, so hopefully we're going to get there. Um, so again, like for the audience, what is actually a JIT then? A JIT compiler? Oh, just in time. Uh, okay, so when um, so when PHP compiles code, it, it compiles it into a form that the Zend engine can execute. The Zend engine is a virtual machine, like like a virtual processor. Hmm. Um, so uh, what the JIT does is uh, take the um, take the compiled code for Zend and compile it to machine code to, to native instructions that have actually executed on the CPU without without the VM. So it's it's um, pretty much like writing in C. I mean, there's 
it's a bit slower because you've still got to do all the PHP stuff, but uh, it's um, that's what it that's what it does. It increases the performance hugely. I mean, most most modern languages that we're using, like Java, JavaScript, they've all got JIT. Even Lua's got a JIT. Actually, um, the way that we've implemented, we, we're using Din ASM, which is the uh, Lua's JIT library. That's what we're using. Ah. So, um, yeah. So that's what a JIT does. Well, that's cool. I definitely have to put some of these bits in the show notes. Uh, there's one actually last thing I'd like to talk about, and it's not the Unicode stuff directly. Uh, we we tried to attempt that yesterday, but what we're going to do is we're going to try and like hopefully get some other people on and have a good Unicode discussion at some point. Yeah, um, I think it'll be good. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Um, but actually, one thing I noticed this week, uh, and I really want to just like mention it actually was, and I think I, I told you yesterday actually, you were, you didn't know about this either. It's like the zero width joiner emojis. Yeah, I, do, I didn't know about that. I read that. Uh, I read the um, article you sent me yesterday. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah, it blew my mind. Like thinking, like so. Essentially, obviously, I know you explained this example yesterday, which was the A and the E and stuff like that. And zero width join is essentially what they allow you to do is they allow you to combine those because in some languages you can combine that into a single character. Um, Obviously, we, we then discussed like the whole idea of like, well, what does it mean? And what's the string length on that? Because what's the string length on that? Is it two? Is it one now? Uh, so there's always things you have to consider. But yeah, you can also do it with emojis. And um, there was a really interesting little tweet that Wesboss um, sent out. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. And it was like kind of explaining how you've got this the neutral family emoji uh in the Unicode standard. And uh, yeah, you can actually combine like the, you know, the, you can create new families essentially based on these yeah. emojis using the zero width joiner. And then along with like, different like, colors and different sexes. That's it. Like that. Yeah. yeah it's really interesting. I mean, it just, yeah. it blows my mind. Like thinking what you can do with Unicode, but yeah. like, it's I just mean, it's a not, very yeah, It's not remarkable that you can do that. It's remarkable that you can do it with Unicode. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And being able to join them up and stuff, but it just shows you that the standard is, you know, so complex and i mean obviously it makes it harder then uh for like people trying to implement this stuff because they've got so many things to consider there's no getting away from it that 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 the internet has got more complicated that um 10 years ago you didn't really care about if you were writing an english website you were writing an english website you didn't care about someone who came along with japanese characters and wanted to sign up and things like that but now um we live in a global village and we we care about we care about um we care about other alphabets and other languages and things. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like think of a Twitter feed or something. You've got a Twitter feed full of, you know, multi, you know, your, yeah. your Twitter feed may have multiple languages. You know, yeah. you need a, you need to be able to have a, display, a page that displays all those characters yeah. in one, yeah. you know, character set. You can't just go between them. It has to be like Unicode does allows you to do every one of them. Yeah. So it's, it's an inescapable fact that things are more complicated, but the, the Unicode gives us the tools to, to tackle that quite elegantly so so yeah no absolutely man and and joe thanks again so much for doing part two uh or version two <laughs> of this episode i really appreciate it man and uh yeah i, I hope I, I actually speaking about yesterday actually we spoke like mentioning about your christmas shopping i hope you've actually started your christmas shopping no, i still uh, didn't even go out last night and do any really? christmas shopping. no because oh, I, no. I didn't pick up the wife until late and then Oh dear! Oh, I, I know it's going to be Christmas Eve. I call it. You're going to Christmas yeah, it, Eve, end of Christmas Eve. It probably is. It probably is. I mean, we've got like the kids' presents in and that, but we haven't done like um, food shopping and that kind of thing. Oh yes. So, it's, so it's probably we're just going to be getting like carrots and things for Christmas dinner. <laughs> it's all going to be gone. But uh, yeah. Oh man. well, I hope you have a great Christmas, though, dude, and I hope you have a good New Year as well um and yeah i mean audience I, it's likewise i hope you have a great new christmas and a great new year and speak to you again uh in the new year goodbye bye 
You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.